The following is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. This is John Silver, lead recruiter of The Dark Order, and you are listening to All Things Elite. to the 104th episode of Social Suplex's podcast about AEW with a proclivity for positivity. Welcome to All Things Elite. My name is Austin and I am the host of this lovely show, soon to be bound for the city of Las Vegas, Sin City. I will be there in a few days. Probably by the time you hear this episode, I'll be there. And joining with me as always is my good buddy, my good friend, Floyd Johnson Jr. My man, how you doing? You sounded like Zach Gibson there with his soon-to-be the, <laughs> the greatest tag team in the world or whatever. Uh, oh, yeah, that's right. That, I, I totally forgot about that, honestly. Liver, but you know what? Liverpool. I, will, I, I paid homage to him there, even though I didn't realize I did. You know, um, well, congrats on going to Vegas. I was supposed to be going to Vegas in about 24 days for to yep. celebrate Double or Nothing Live from Las Vegas, it was moved. Uh, yeah, so but yeah, we we got some good news to share about Double Nothing this year. Uh, it looks like we are slowly, slowly getting back to normal. But I am doing great. My Boston Red Sox won their baseball game today. I only gave that shot. That was just a straight shot to Austin because you know we beat his team. Uh, but yeah, Boston Red Sox did their thing. Woo woo. And then uh, I'm sitting here just uh, watching the Lakers game. It's been a it's been a good day. I started playing MLB the show. I am like fifty yeah. something games into the season. I hadn't played or watched baseball in at least ten years. Oh yeah? Yeah, at least. I, I was so checked out on baseball. The first thing I've I've done with baseball, and I think this is why I'm getting into it, is because I have to learn who everybody is. When I last time I watched baseball, the best player in the major leagues was Albert Pujols. You, you know, and he had just signed his ten year contract with the Angels, and he's in the last year of that contract now, and he just got basically released from the team. So that is how long it's been since I watched baseball. Yeah, I, I also when I got my PlayStation Four about a year or two ago, I first one of the first games I got for it because it was only a PlayStation exclusive as of the time was MLB The Show, and I'm I'm currently playing. Uh, I've been playing the the Road to the Show series, and I, I very much suck. 
Um, but I, I'm getting better on it, honestly. Uh, I do love the people that are trashing the Xbox players who are just getting a hold of MLB The Show for the first time in years, being like not able to hit p- uh, off-speed pitches. And I'm just like, bro, they haven't played in forever. They're going to need like at least a couple months to be able to get the timing down and everything. That is correct. I am 60 games in, and I just hit my first home run that wasn't on a fastball. Let's go. Yeah, Let's go. I, I hit a 77-mile-per-hour curveball out, out today. I was so proud. Uh, to think I actually physically hit a home run, I'm like, I dropped my controller, and I'm like walking around my room like I'm jogging around the bases. I controller flipped. I didn't bat flip. I was Let's so go. I was so excited. I mean, yeah, I, lo- my- I, I love my Red Sox, but I am a fast. I mean, I love the uh, team, but I am a fast uh, ball hitter all the way. Yeah, I my my biggest moment was when I hit. Uh, it was like extra innings, and I got a walk off single to win the game in extra innings, and I that's when I lost my shit more so than the home run. That was like so stressful but regardless of our little baseball talk we got a lot to talk about this week on all things elite of course as we're recording this blood and guts was just last night and we are going to be focusing entirely on blood and guts what happened on that crazy stack show but before we get into the podcast in general we need to make sure that you're downloading this fine show this fine podcast on google or apple Podcasts. if you listen to us on spotify or any other podcasting platforms you can give us a share to your friends family coworkers, whoever you wish if you can you can also leave a rating and a review let us know how we're doing if you're so inclined to you can also leave a donation through our podcast provider red circle that would be unbelievably generous of you if you want to support us the simplest way we are on social media on twitter we are at at elite pod at social suplex are the guys the podcasting network that make this show and a bunch of other podcasts possible be sure to go and check out all the other social suplex podcasts i myself am at s zoomer four and floyd is at floyd johnson jr on twitter and the big news that we have to talk about this week is the announcement that we got today that the results were in for the ratings. The ratings came in for AEW Blood and Guts, and it was the number one show on cable that night, which is genuinely like we were talking the week before about how this could be huge for AEW and how this show could do banging numbers. Being the number one show on cable for the night, that's honestly, I mean, that's 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 pretty damn good if I do say so myself. Twitter has been ridiculous with it, and honestly, it's like we kind of stay out of it. But regardless, if you enjoy AEW, this is probably a cool thing to see. It's it's very good to the guys and girls that put on the show. Shout outs to them. And this is just showing that your hard work's paying off. You got a lot of fans that are very excited to tune into Dynamite, and you got a lot of eyes on that show. And now we just keep moving forward, keep putting on good shows. And yeah, it's, it's just cool to see that little tidbit bit about the show that it was literally the number one show on cable and it was awesome to see it it is so funny to me how why and how people get threatened that uh another company does you know wrestling like when um you know when all all in sold out or when roh does a good show or when MLW uh, packs a stadium or a bunch of indie shows at WrestleMania do really or, well. Or when New Japan and Ring of Honor do a show at MSG. You never hear any of this. It's like, oh, that's cool. 
But for some reason, AEW is such a threat to WWE fans. And this is coming from a person that watches both religiously. It's just like, I don't understand. They're two different products. They're Coke and Pepsi. Actually, they're more like Pepsi and Mountain Dew or Coke and Mountain Dew. You know what I mean? They're such, I mean, they, they're both drinks, but they're such different flavors that you wouldn't even compare it. You wouldn't be like, damn it. I, I, you know what? You know what? Uh, Mountain Dew is just so much better than Pepsi. No one says that. You know why? Because they're not co both colas or whatever. Even though they are both drinks, they're not both colas. AEW is a TV 14 product. You know, it is little bit for a little bit more mature. They want you to watch it with your family, but it's a little bit more mature. WWE is a TV PG product. They're, it's more you know, uh, designed towards kids. WWE wants, they want to do a lot of repetition, a lot of video packages, just a lot of that, uh, a lot of, this happened last week. AEW doesn't do that. They both do happen in the ring, and they both are scripted fighting. But other than that, there's really no reason to compare the two. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really interesting of how, like, when wrestling fans, I really do believe that when, uh, NXT made the move to Wednesday nights, and then it was like, okay, this is legitimately like this. That's when everyone got in their minds that, like, oh my God, this is an actual Wednesday night war and stuff like that. I feel like a lot of fans, especially that didn't grow up with the Monday Night Wars back in the 90s, were really excited because they thought this was their version of that, and they went all in on it as fuck you, this company is better than that company, go fuck yourself if you disagree otherwise, I say this company is better and I will fight you on it, and like, it's not the 90s anymore, it's like, we know that these two companies aren't really going head to head with this sort of thing, or if they are, they're trying to, like, fans know that these two companies can coexist without one of them being destroyed, it's just a different time in wrestling, but people just wanted – I think they wanted a war so badly. And in life in general, you shouldn't really ever want a war. You really shouldn't because I can enjoy NXT and WWE and AEW at the same time. And it's a lovely feeling because I don't feel like I'm fighting against somebody and I don't feel like I have anger towards some people that I don't even know and like against a product – that I don't even really watch as much as I do AEW. So it's, I tune in, I love, here's the thing for me, I think Kushida is one of the best things in wrestling. I love his run as the Cruiserweight Champion on NXT. He's one of my favorite things. I like him better than certain stuff on AEW. But I'm okay to do such a thing. And I feel like fans that are going around being like, well, actually, if I was AEW, I'd be quite disappointed about the numbers that they put up. They're like, darn I'm like, go outside, kiss a girl, actually talk to a girl for once. Like, this is ridiculous. Yeah. We don't need to act like this. We can enjoy both products. We can talk about both products. We can critique both products. We don't have to go at each other's throats. It doesn't have to be like this. Yep. Uh, give me Cameron Grimes to the moon. Give me Swerve Scott any day. Yes, I, I can watch them wrestle any day. I love Killer Cross. I remember uh, there was one year he was at WrestleCon. I had no intentions of going to WrestleCon that day. I literally went to WrestleCon 
to got through everything just to meet Killer Cross and just to tell him how awesome I think he is. So I love him on there. I, I love uh, the different feuds. I've always liked Ciampa, Gargano. I could talk about NXT all day. My whole thing was, for me personally, at the time when he's like, hey, which one are you going to watch, AEW or NXT? And I was like, AEW, it's easy to me. AEW needs me to watch NXT. If they don't do that well, they just go back to the network or they move to another day. You know what I mean? One company needed me to watch. One company wanted me to watch. It was that simple. And then, of course, then once I saw AEW and how they storytell, I'm like, okay, this is the company I prefer. But guess what? Still eight hours, what, seven to eight hours of my week goes to watching WWE products. So I'm just like, I don't think you, there's no point to have to choose and if you are a person out there that has to choose, you'll make the best choice for you based on what you enjoy. But like I said, once they moved, once they moved channels, there is no more competition. Yeah, once they move time slots. Yeah, and then yeah, once they move that, no more competition. On Tuesday I watch NXT. On Wednesday I watch AEW. I don't think about oh well NXT was a really good show. I wonder if AEW can top it. I, I don't care. I just I watch them separately for separate reasons. It's like yeah, and even <laughs> and even even regardless of like it's it's the same sort of thing as when wrestling fans and this is a, it like just on a on a different end too is when wrestling fans would talk about NXT takeovers before WWE pay per views and be like, well, I hope WWE can follow up takeover, and I'm like, those are two very different types of wrestling shows, like. One is so much more catered to a different type of wrestling fan than the other. So if you're wanting one thing, you're going to get it from the one company, from the one brand and not the other one. So the fact that people mean like like the compare and the contrast thing, it's like, I mean, you can do that for fun, but it's more so it's like, just like there's no need to be like this company's dog shit and your dog shit if you like it. Da, 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 da. It's like, other you than, don't. Other than profit, AEW doesn't want to be WWE. Uh, you know what? And it's the same thing. WWE does not want to be AEW. Because WWE, if they wanted to, they could be AEW. They could tell stories like AEW. Might not be as good or whatever, but they could. They don't They don't think of themselves as that anymore. They are sports entertainment. They are a brand. They are an IP. They think about, uh, I think that's what, intellectual property, IP. That's how they think of themselves. They think of themselves as bigger than wrestling. They're a publicly traded company. Yeah, they're Disney World, right? They're not like it, it's like Disney World. It's like somebody's arguing over what's better, Marvel or Star Wars. Disney's like we own them both. You know what I mean? It's well, it's just, like if yeah. people arguing over Disney World or Universal, dude. I've gone to both and I love both in different ways. I don't like hate one just because I prefer the other. It's yeah, like yeah, I mean, yeah. It's like it, you it, can like everything that like in that in that bubble. You don't have to just be like. But yeah, fuck that. It's like, yeah. it's just, uh, regardless, I think just wrestling fans, at least on Twitter, need to lighten the fuck up just a little bit. A absolutely. Uh, absolutely. Uh, yeah, but, it, it, you know, I feed into it because it's fun for me sometimes. But in the end, 1.09 million people watched uh, AEW this week. And it was the number one show in the demo in on cable. Which only means good stuff for AEW moving forward. I'm just hoping everybody enjoys it. Even last week when their number was quote unquote to low, uh, what happened? Uh, what ended up happening is that just a lot more people. 59% uh, 
of the people that watched the show watched it on DVR. So the number you got last week was only 41% of the people that actually watched AEW. Yeah. So almost twice as many people, <laughs> almost twice as many people watched AEW than what was reported on like Thursday. So it's just like they, people just watch TV differently. And just like my one of my favorite TV shows of all time, Heroes, and it made me hate pirating because the show, like, it was the most popular show in the world. Like, millions of people were watching it, but it got canceled because nobody was watching it in a trackable way. So that was the day, you know, that I kind of turned on, you know, pirating and stuff like that. Because, I, you know what? I want my show to be on TV. So just imagine if everybody that actually watches AEW every week was watching it in a somewhat trackable way, their number would be even bigger. I would say the same thing about WWE. So I don't know. It's just not, to me, it's not worth arguing over. If you don't like AEW, don't watch it. But if you watch it just to bitch about it, you'll be muted pretty quickly. Very much so. But regardless, we can now get into the actual Blood and Guts show, which was super fucking hyped. Like, we knew that this was going to do a good number just because of how hyped this match was and how hyped the show was being pushed. And again, like, we were supposed to get that Blood and Guts match a year ago, and we didn't get it. And now we're finally getting it. So it's this was a long time coming. But before we get into it, there were a few other matches that were on the card, a few other moments that happened. We opened up with the AEW and Impact and AAA World Champion Kenny Omega with Michael Nakazawa facing off against John Moxley and Mad King Eddie Kingston. So before the match started, Don Callis comes out with Nakazawa saying, "Ah, uh, Kenny Omega was unable to attend this show, so." Guys, looks like you get Nakazawa, just Nakazawa. And Tony Schiavone was like, no, he's lying. We saw Kenny earlier in the day, so he's here. Moxley and Kingston coming down from the uh, from the audience way. And as they're getting close to the ring, Kenny Omega takes the AEW title and rams it into the back of their heads, blindsides them. And then that's when the match got going. And it was a solid, strong opening. I enjoyed... Uh, I enjoyed seeing uh, Nakazawa getting the ass kicked out of him, honestly, because I can firmly say it's like, while I think Nakazawa can be funny, I don't, re- I don't really much care for him too much. I enjoy seeing him like interact with Kenny Omega and stuff like that, but I don't really necessarily have much I really care to say, and I don't really enjoy necessarily seeing him wrestle too often. I, I'll watch it occasionally, but I always go back to that match that happened at uh, the first Fighter Fest, and I was just like, ugh, this, uh, uh. that's just like, I'm not, this isn't my thing. It's not my thing at all. But regardless, Kenny Omega tried to walk away eventually. Uh, that didn't happen. Moxley quickly uh, planted Nakazawa and uh, pinned him, got the win. But that's when the Young Bucks distract John Moxley and Eddie Kingston, and that's when the Good Brothers come out. By the way, Matt, what the fuck are you wearing? My man is looking like a fucking fifty-year-old going to fucking Hawaii for the for the summer with his with his longtime wife. I was just like, I don't know what this man's doing. I don't know what he's like. The outfits that the young books are wearing are just ridiculous. And if that 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 alone just just like 
that that gets me that gets under my skin already. That's just great heel work, just from their ridiculous fucking outfits. Uh, the Young Bucks and good, the Good Brothers and Kenny Omega all start beating up on John Moxley and Eddie Kingston. They just beat the shit out of them uh, as uh, Kenny Omega uh, gets hoisted up and gets hit with the one winged angel. He mockingly pins Kingston after that and Nick counts three and they just beat up on Kingston and, and uh, John Moxley for that just healing it up but very decent opener I would say I do I do think the moment of the of the elite really going after Moxley and Kingston was fun but I do wonder like how much longer is this gonna go like this seems like they're sticking with this still for a while yeah, um, it looks like it, it, it is um, it looks like uh, I was gonna say the Young Bucks are going from the uh, the Miz's uh, playbook of being a heel, the more annoying your clothing are, the more people are likely to hate you. So they are definitely doing that. And uh, as far as the whole match and stuff and the beatdown, this was all pushing forward, all, all pushing forward the idea uh, that Kingston and Moxley are uh, Kingston and Moxley are going to get their hands on the Young Bucks, which I'm looking forward to. But later on, when we discuss the tag team match, I actually think something different might be coming down the pipeline. I might be wrong. I love to speculate. It's fun. But yeah, uh, this Super Elite, I love it. I, I'm looking forward to a five-on-five match with the Super Elite and some five-man team. Maybe um, maybe Moxley and Kingston brings in some friends. Uh, maybe it's Moxley, Kingston. Yeah, I, I can't even think of anybody... They're maybe never, Death Triangle? Maybe Death Triangle. Maybe that that'll be the five on five. That would be a hell of a five on five, right? Dude, now. that'd be fucking insane. I I I don't even need a story for that match. I would like if that's what they would do for a house show, dude, that would sell a house show out in ten minutes. Yeah, that would be a great five on five. But hopefully yeah, we get something soon. I mean i I mean, honestly, I know this ends with the Young Bucks versus uh, Gallows and Anderson at some point, but I don't know how long they're going to do it. AEW is really good about long-term storytelling, so I'm liking the pieces going. They're keeping Kenny kind of busy, but why they they get ready for his next feud? So it's been pretty amazing. Absolutely. We then got an announcement that for Double or Nothing Sunday, May 30th, the AEW Women's Champion Hikaru Shida will be defending her title against the new number one contender Britt Baker DMD which is where Britt Baker becomes a fucking star and becomes AEW Women's Champion, genuinely. And since we're talking about Double or, double or Nothing matches right now, we I guess we should probably just mention right now, it has been confirmed AEW is planning on having Double or Nothing at Daly's Place at full capacity. And that makes me, like, it gives me warm feelings just hearing that. Um, I assume, I see, I feel like, it, like I wonder if they're going to be like the type of the type of company where they like you have to be fully vaccinated to come to the show. I doubt they're going to be like that because I don't know how necessarily they'd be able to like if they're just going to try to clear, clear uh, screen people for that. But regardless, um, it's Florida. They already don't give a shit. So it's 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 just a genuinely cool thing to hear full capacity crowd for a wrestling show and double or nothing, man. It's looking like it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, I am going to. Be there. <laughs> I bet. I assumed you would. I assumed I you would. I will. There. I will probably wait for All Out since I'm going to Vegas in like two days, and it's in the same month. I'll probably wait for All Out. Well, let me tell you, I had already 
reserved my hotel, <laughs> reserved my flight <laughs> before they even announced how many people were going to be there. Because whether it was 25%, 100%, I was going to be there. But the Absolute. idea that I can go, I can actually go for first row up close seats is kind of freaking amazing. And there, there are sections that have been, you know, I've been to what? I've been to Jacksonville four times since the pandemic started. And there was just sections you couldn't sit in. And it was just like, now you get to go back and you get to be involved with it. Now, Florida, outside, into May, hopefully it's okay. Hopefully it's not too hot or it's not raining or something like that. So I'm just hoping for a good day. Um, but, yeah, I'm very excited about it. I mean, they gave us three announcements. OTK, he knows how to, he knows how to get you excited. They're going to have Friday... They're going to have Dynamite. Because of the NBA playoffs, the, uh, Dynamite has to move to Friday. So the Dynamite before Double or Nothing is going to be on Friday night. And it's going to be live from Daily's Place. Saturday, during the day, there is going to be a AEW Fan Fest. Where I'm getting, basically a StarCast. Yeah, basically where you can meet all your favorite wrestlers and stuff like that. And then Sunday, Sunday, Sunday is Double or Nothing. So as a wrestling fan... This is about as back to normal as it's been in a long time. See, like this year, we just got WrestleMania. There's nothing wrong with that. But generally, WrestleMania is like this whole weekend with WWE where you do access. You do all these sorts of things. But, you you know, it was just WrestleMania. This is the, like the first wrestling weekend we've had in a while where it's going to start with wrestling, end with wrestling. Like I, we are getting slowly back to normal. And that is such a great feeling. Yeah, and uh, the good thing, at least, because uh, confirm me if I'm wrong. Uh, the Daily's place has a roof over it for the like over the ring and such like that, right? Yes, they have like yeah, where the camera's set up and everything. They do set it up like that. Okay, so then, so even if it is a bit of a rainy day, you'll still be in a decent position as long as you don't have to wait outside for too long. But yeah, that's gonna be it's gonna be pretty freaking crazy just to have a full crowd uh, for a pay-per-view again not like because wrestlemania we had the uh slight capacity in in uh uh the buccaneers arena which was fucking massive so like it's but it still looked like like they filmed basically just the crowd that was on floor but having an actual full arena for wrestling is just I've missed hearing that. I missed hearing that. So definitely excited for that and excited for anybody who gets to go. Please still be safe regardless. But either way, getting back into Blood and Guts, it's the grudge match. Finally, we get the American Nightmare Cody Rhodes getting his hands on QT Marshall. He has Arn Anderson by his side, and QT has the factory Aaron Aaron Solo, Nick Camarado, and Anthony Agogo by his side. And... Honestly, like I, I, I tend to do this always with Cody just because I enjoy hearing Floyd talk about Cody since he's got such a affinity to him, I guess. I don't even know if that's the right word. But I want to go to Floyd for this match. Cody, QT, how did you feel on this match? So, uh, the, the match started and QT came out and I was like, I, I didn't know what to expect. I, you know, I'm a big... I'm a big Cody Mark. I have no problem with the word Mark. I don't have a problem being a Mark. Everyone knows that about me. But when it comes down to this match, I even had my... So one side of me was like, man, people don't care about QT a lot. Maybe, maybe this match will be flat. The other side of me is like, they train 
in a wrestling, you know, a, a wrestling training facility like five days a week together. You know, how many times have had they had this match or a match like it while they're trying to prepare their other wrestlers? So I'm like, they are very familiar with each other, so it's probably going to be good. I personally thought it was really good. Uh, I think it over-delivered. It was a Cody match. So, you know, there was run-ins and, you know, it was spectacle and all that kind of stuff because that's what Cody likes. So, Cody, what Cody likes, he's going to get in this match. But it was clear through the match that QT was not as good as Cody. That's the story he was telling. That QT wasn't on Cody's level. QT has a lot of tricks. He's a trainer. He's really good at wrestling. But he's not on Cody's level. And that's how it ended. Uh, Cody was showing that last bit of remorse for QT because he knows QT's not on his level. It's, I mean, it's like, you know, when Steve Kerr tried to fight Michael Jordan. You know what I mean? It's like, dude, <laughs> I don't want to hurt this kid. It's like, yes, he's a really good NBA player, but he's not Michael Jordan. Yes, QT is a really good wrestler, but he's not Cody. He's not on that level. So he taps him out, gets him out over the ring with. And it, what, what I think over-delivered as a match. Now, I know there are people out there that don't like Cody. And no matter what he does, they're not going to like what he does. And I accept that. I accept that. Cody is kind of one of those polarizing people. And you either, I meet people that love Cody and I meet people that hate Cody. I very rarely meet people that are in the middle. So if you are in the middle of Cody... Your congrats. I love the guy. I thought this match was good. Like, if I was giving it a ratings, I'd give it like three and a quarter stars. You know what I mean? It was a TV match. I don't expect too much out of TV matches, but I thought it was really good. But the uh, big moment of the match was my future favorite wrestler, Anthony Agogo, after the match is over. My future favorite wrestler. If you did not know this, and I mentioned it on the show, when Cody retires, Anthony Gogo is my favorite wrestler in waiting. Damn. It's like the coach in waiting. He is my favorite wrestler in waiting. So, you know, when he goes in there and he punches Cody in the stomach, a little part of me lit up. I was like, really? I didn't long, you know, I don't want Cody to get punched in the stomach, but a little part of me lit up because, you know, my favorite wrestler is going to kind of be putting the rub on passing the torch to what will be my future favorite wrestler. I'm thinking like 2025. It's all him. So, yeah, let's go. Let's go. Yeah. Let's effing go. He he gives the bolo shot to Cody Rhodes in the stomach. Then he proceeds to cover him up with the Union Jack, the UK national flag, and just stands over top of him as his body's just covered with that flag. And honestly, man, it's like I will say, I got nothing against QT. I know that he's got he's done he's done a lot of fun stuff. I enjoyed the Natural Nightmares when they teamed together. I enjoyed him kind of my honestly, it's like I my favorite thing that QT's done is when he was just fully smitten for Allie, just not even realized he's being used and just being that benevolent like okay like kind of fun, like guy while Dustin's the the smart veteran that's being like bro like what the fuck are you doing QT's like he's he's harmless but like he's he doesn't realize he's being punked pretty much but regardless of the fact like I I had while I enjoy Cody a bunch and I love Cody uh I had nothing really getting me too hyped with this match I enjoyed seeing Cody I had a feeling Cody was gonna get the win to wrap up this feud and whatnot but 
man, I'm I'm all in on Anthony Agogo. I'm nothing but excited for him. I'm nothing but geek to see what he does a feud between him and cody i think is going to provide a lot of good things and him working with cody is only going to do good things for him and like really elevate his stock so yeah uh, this match this match was the prelude into what we're going to get with cody and agogo and that's what i'm looking forward to the most yes and anthony agogo i don't know how many of you people are younger than me but back on sports center they used to have things called Bermanisms. <laughs> Chris Berman yes. for me and, and it was basically if the person's last name sounded like a song he would say you know their first name in this so because of this I was inspired and it's Anthony wake me up before you go go yes. yes I knew you were going there <laughs> knew you were going there <laughs> so, and, as a, it, and as a fan of sports broadcasting dude Chris Berman's the fucking he's so good but it's so crazy because you know he knocks you out. He's a boxer. So it even works better on so many different levels. Wake, it really does. Wake me up before you go-go. I, I thought last night, and I popped myself. I started. I, I, was, I was giggling a little bit because I was like, man, that's a, I got my first Bermanism, you know? It's like, so, you know, I was, I was excited. But, yes, if you're under, like, 30 and you're not a sport, sportscaster geek like my lovely friend Austin, then you probably don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. <laughs> but regardless, look up. But regardless, look up Chris Berman highlights on YouTube and have some fun. Yes, back, 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 back. Yeah, it was amazing. Back, 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 back. God, when I played ESPN NFL 2K5, his voice was always great to hear. It was so great to hear. But after this, we had a backstage interview with all ego Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky. These guys just healing it up. I, I the look of uh, Ethan Page in this honestly is just like. I really love the way he talks, and I just love the way that he carries himself. He just comes, like you said, all ego, just fully egotistical and just like a dickhead. If there was any other character that I could see him playing, like just his out by his outfit alone, he looks like that rich kid who's like got a shitload of money coming in from his dad and just carries himself like a piece of shit. It just works so well for him. And Scorpio and him have been bouncing off each other really well. And I enjoy seeing these guys, uh, what they've been doing and how they've been going after Darby Allen. So they talk about uh, Darby and how... Uh, they've just been beating him up and saying like, and also saying that they're not afraid of Sting and how Scorpio's talking about how he's now the franchise. After this, Darby Allen goes right into Ethan Page. They start beating him up. He, they start going after each other. Darby climbs on top of a lighting rig and then just jumps down onto them. And then the numbers game is too much for Darby. And eventually he gets thrown down the fucking stairs. And... Goddamn, man, dude. Darby's just willing to do whatever whatever spot you give him, like, genuinely. But I'm I'm really intrigued to see what this brings. I love heel Scorpio, and Ethan Page is a lot of fun. So I'm, I'm all in with all these guys, too. I love I love everything they're doing. Yeah, and it just seems like it's so obvious that Ethan's going to turn on Scorpio. A hundred percent. It's, like, so obvious that he's going to turn on him eventually. It's like, oh, I'm using you because I need you for now, but eventually... You know, like, yeah, you can be the guy, and it's, yeah. So, yeah, Nick threw him down the steps, and it's going to set up something for next week. I am, God, I just, I love the way AEW tells stories. I mean, this has nothing, like I said, AEW and Cody run it, but I just love how they tell stories. It's like, generally, you guess the next, 
you you guess the next step, right? And you you're right, you're wrong, or you're different. It can go either way. But because they tell the long stories, the long term stories, you're very excited about the next step. Even when like a feud ends or something, you're like, oh, he's who's he feuding with next? It's always exciting looking forward to the next step because they very r- rarely don't deliver on that next step. Absolutely. And it, it, it just shows that they like have there's plans moving forward, because I think the one thing that wrestling fans hate is when one of their favorite guys gets told by creative, well, we have nothing for you today or we have nothing for you this week. So the seeing of like seeds that are being planted and then they continue to grow and they continue to blossom. And then even after this thing is fully grown and run its course, there's still stuff that they've been planting while this whole thing has been going on so that they know it's like, hey, after this is fully done, this is where you're going. And I think it's just so much more. You feel way more at ease with the stories that are being told. Even if you're not a fan of the stories that are being told, you know that stuff's being put in motion, even if you're not seeing it in front of your eyes. And I think it's so much more comfortable to see that. It's the one reason as to why I've been all in on AEW compared to like WWE. It's just because I prefer the way that they tell stories. I prefer the way that they set up stuff and how they book people. It's just me personally, though. Yeah, I, com- I completely I completely agree. Uh, with that, it's just it, you, you're seeing something. Like Cody hasn't been in a world championship picture in a very long time, but he's still they keep him relevant. Uh, you know, like Pac has been kind of hanging around the middle, you know, and they'll have something for him eventually. You know, Lance Archer is this over, you know, this overwhelming like force in this whole Darby. Scorpio Ethan thing that no one's talking about and then later on in the show they add another wrinkle into that so uh, man, it's it's just so good absolutely we then had a quick little uh, honestly no other word to say it it was a squash match we were told Dr. Britt Baker would be wrestling on this show he, she would be in action she faced off against Julia Hart in a really quick match that really didn't have much to say just setting up of how like she will be facing uh, Hikaru Shida at double or nothing and just giving her a quick person to beat just to continue to rack up wins being the number one woman number one ranked contender in the women's division going for the AEW women's title and there's really not much else I think we can really say about this match it really wasn't much there if Britt doesn't win at double or nothing people will actually riot I'm not a hundred percent I'm not I mean I'm not I, I, I know a lot of people use that and they're like oh yeah I like Hikaru Shida, but dude, like, Britt has to win. She's so over. She's just so over. And it's so weird because she's a heel, but she's probably AEW's most popular wrestler. And, and like, I understand why that could bother people, too. But at the same time, though, she's solidified herself as being a star. And I think just even if, like, you... Even if you know don't think she's necessarily a great heel or anything like that, which I disagree with... I think every I think the big thing that people are seeing is like she's a hundred percent a star and she needs like to really because there's people that like Hikaru Shida's title run there's people that don't like it and if there's a, people that like want the title to be held by a star there you go. I think she does cocky heel wrestler better than any woman I've ever seen. Yeah, and honestly, it's like her pairing with uh, with uh, Rebel. I love. How those two bounce off each other. They yeah, work really well together. Yeah, I wouldn't even call her my favorite wrestler, but like, you know, all the women I've seen, it, it's like, you know, like Shawn Michaels did the whole cocky heel thing, and 
Oh that's yeah. the kind of level that I put Brick on, cut Brit on, because she's so good. She's went so heel. She's almost coming back around to being a face. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if, if that's really how it, that some that's just how it works sometimes. Just being like, she's so dislikable that you can't help but respect her for how good she is at just pissing people off. Exactly. Exactly. We then had a quick little. Uh, well, there was honestly, it's like no need to mention this. I it, this showed in the AEW notes. It was just a technique by Taz segment. We can just move past that. I feel like it was just a little like break he, in between. He, he just buried Christian for. He just time. used it to bury Christian. And be like Christian's bitch. Yeah, Christian. Christian's not very good at wrestling. That I love dope. how he gets his own segment just talking about their moves and then just being like, "Yeah, he's a bitch though. He's not he's, part of team." Yeah, guys. his footwork is not off and. And then even the part with Will Hobbs, they showed only the good spots from Will Hobbs. They didn't, you know, show the fact that, you know, he won. <laughs> they, they was like, oh, yeah, it's Hobbs the al- throwing it's, it's the alternative facts of AEW. <laughs> yes, it really is. We then had the four-way tag team eliminator match between the number one ranked tag team in AEW, SCU, Christopher Daniels and Frankie Kazarian, Jurassic Express, Varsity Blondes, and the acclaimed, which honestly, man, this was my favorite rap that uh, Max Cassiter did. This was my favorite rap he did. I the the dark side of the ring line got legit. Oh, it popped the crowd. So like, dude, that was. And he did it to Pillman, whose dad. He did it to Pillman Jr. Dad dude, is it's on so dark side up. of the ring tonight, Thursday night. Make sure you check it out. Uh, the young cucks. Uh man, he's just really good, and he kind of he he usually goes super edgy on dark and dark elevation. He toned it down to TV. It was great, and you know, yeah, I, I love it. I love it. Yeah, this was my favorite one by him, and I still I I'm I'm seeing these guys really improve every single time I watch them. Uh, but this was a really strong match. We knew going into this match still have how. If CD and Frankie ever lost another match, they would break up as a tag team. And we knew they already said they wanted to challenge the Young Bucks for the titles. So this was a very predictable match. It was a very fun match to watch. I enjoyed everybody that was in it. But it was a very predictable match. I don't think that really ruins the match for me, though. Because they these like I, I'm a fan of all these teams. Uh, even though Varsity Blondes are one that I'm not fully invested in, I still really like them. But I... I had nothing really bad to say about this match. It did exactly what it was supposed to do, and it was a lot of fun. Um, and I think just because of what was coming up in the main event, it's just made it a lot harder to just talk about other matches that were on this card. But this was really fun, I felt. I got so many predictions for this. I want to jump ahead, but I'm not. I'm going to stop myself. I'm not going to jump ahead. I'm just going to say this was a, this was a match. Uh, unfortunately, AEW has to get better at not giving away the ending the week before. Yeah, that was the thing, yeah. They I mean, SCU, they do this exact same promo, like, after they win, that exact same promo on the Young Bucks, after they win, it's a whole different thing. Yeah, because I know the hardcore fans that know what SCU said are going to know that going into it anyway, but they didn't have to fully remind us the week before, right before they have a number one contenders match for the AEW tag team titles. They really didn't need to do and, that. And the way they talked, it was like they already had the shot, you know? Yeah. And then you found out there was a match. It's like, no, but the promo was cut in the context of them already having the shot. Exactly. Because they were number one contenders. So it was like, it was like almost like the promo was shot 
after they'd already won the match. Yeah, so that that it would if if that didn't happen, honestly, it would have made this match a lot more engaging. But regardless, it was still a fun match. I loved all the teams that were in it, but we get SCU and the AW Tag Team Champions, the Young Bucks on Dynamite soon. After this, we had a promo with Tony Schiavone interviewing the belt collector himself, Kenny Omega, talking about there was an announcement that needed to be made. Tony announces that next week it'll be an eliminator match, Pac versus Orange Cassidy. The winner faces Kenny Omega at double to nothing for the AEW World Championship. Kenny is just befuddled. Like, because he's like, look, we all know that me and Pac have wrestled before, so just announce Pac. And then he says, no, he's going to face Orange Cassidy. And he's like, Pac and who? And just completely treating Orange Cassidy as a joke, making absolute fool of him. Freshly squeezes himself, walks out, stands in Kenny's face. Kenny Omega talks about how he is not ever going to be championship material. The only championship material thing about him is just something he's you ripped off from me. And it's those Ray-Bans on his on his face, those those aviator glasses. And you know what? He gives the glasses to freaking Nakazawa on the side, just takes it off his face and tells him, you're not going to get this title. Not now, not never. You'll never take this title. What you have done, though, is taken up my valuable time. So I'm going to take your sunglasses. And regardless, when it comes down to the possible match, I'll see you whenever. And just walks off and leaves Orange Cassidy just standing next to Tony Schiavone. So it it leads into the build with what we're going to be possibly seeing if it's going to be Pac versus Orange Cassidy, with Pac versus Orange Cassidy, what we're going to be getting at Double or Nothing. So... I Go ahead on say, this. Orange Cassidy has to lose. He yeah. has to lose. Otherwise, they just did the same thing that they, they did. They did the exact same thing. thing, yeah. This promo should have happened after next week's match if it's going to be OC. Yeah. He, the way that he, like, the focus was fully on Orange Cassidy with this match. If Pat came out and interrupted it, being like, no, 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 no. We're not fully talking about him. I'm in this match, and I'm going to beat him, and I'm going to beat take that title off of you. I've already beaten you before. Like, they have reasons to believe as to why Pac would win this match, because it's for the AEW world title, and it just continues what they've been doing in the past in AEW. But the fact that the focus of the promo was solely on Orange Cassidy, if he wins, then they did the same thing they did with SCU and the Young Bucks, where they just, like, they... they they blew their load too early. Pardon my phrase. Yeah, because like it doesn't matter if you want oh, you know Orange Cassidy or Pac. My favorite singles match in uh, AEW besides Cody and Dustin, of course, is it was Pac and Kenny Omega in Kansas City in an Iron Man match. And it's like, match. what if these two's odds are on pay per view? Because they're all out. All out match was really good. But what if these two are on pay-per-view and, you know, on pay-per-view, no time limit, and they get to tell a long-form Kenny Omega-type story? I mean, For the championship. Yeah, like five stars, dude. I'm like, what? Why? This, would, this could be the best wrestling match of the year. And, of course, I just saw 
Osprey versus Shingo Takagi, which is one of the best matches I've ever seen in my life. So to say this could be the best match of year actually means something now. Uh, but you're like, OC comes out, and it's just like, and he doesn't say anything. And it's just like, I mean, if you're going by the experience of wrestling I've had for 30 years and Austin's had for most of his life, OC's winning that match next week. Yeah, it's it's because it's here's the thing. Regardless of who wins the match, I will be excited regardless. But it's hard for me to get excited for the Eliminator match that just got announced when I already have a pretty strong feeling of already who's going to win the match. Now, I could go into it without like Kenny and Orange Cassidy. If, or, if Kenny and Orange Cassidy didn't face off and they just had the match and Kenny just got in front of the camera and went at both guys, then there you go. Sells the match, he builds up and tears down both guys. Gives you reason to watch the the yes. Eliminator match. But because Orange Cassidy came out and the focus of the promo was strictly Kenny Omega being befuddled that OC was even getting a title shot or a chance at a title shot at all. Yeah. It just, the yeah. story itself is like, it's, you literally can see through the pages of like, oh, that's what's coming next. If you ran down both contenders, it would be fine. But he yes. did not run down those contenders. He just ran down one. And then the person came out, and then he bullied the person, which generally means that person's going to get their comeuppance. Oh, yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I guess we'll see what happens in the Eliminator match. But, yeah, depending if this goes the way that we're very much expecting it to, this is something that AEW is probably going to need to fix. Because I like I. It's just it's it's it, it it the one thing you don't want your wrestling show to be is predictable. So it, like, well, the one thing you don't want to come off as is predictable. So just try not to give it away so easily. Just build it up the way that because you want us to not only be excited for the match at Double or Nothing, you want us to be excited for the match that's going to be on Dynamite the next week. It's that simple. But either way. After this was one more interview before the main event, which was with the best man, Miro, where we finally got word of what title Miro wants to go after. And he says on the next Dynamite, he's going after Darby Allen in the TNT title. Fuck yes. This is the moment where I feel like Miro can really solidify himself. I see this as Miro becoming like a dominant TNT champion, at least in my in, in my predictions, I see Miro taking the title off of Darby while Darby feuds with Scorpio Sky and Ethan Page. Whether or not they get involved in the match is to be determined, but if they really want to strap it on Miro, they've been waiting patiently with him as he's been doing with Kip Sabian stuff and facing off against best friends. They wanted to make him go after somebody who has a title, saying, if you've got a title in AEW, you've got a problem with me because I want championship gold around my waist. And honestly, it's a perfect David versus Goliath match right there. It's the perfect kind of match that you can really hype up. So there's reason to believe that Darby could sneak out a win. But at the same time, there's other factors that are leading in. There's a lot to be excited about this match. Even if Miro doesn't necessarily win, even though I feel like he should win, that's regardless. I'm very excited for this. Yeah, I think it's going to be a complete squash. I, I think they built it up with Darby taking that crash and his arm being hurt. Uh, and how he was selling that, I just think, yeah, Miro's just going to go in and run through him and beat him. And, you know, and it's not, you know, and then, of course, Eli, I mean, of course, Ethan Page and Scorpio are going to take completely uh, all the credit for Ethan 
uh, I mean, for him losing. But I think then Miro moves on to his uh, next TNT contender. And, yeah, we probably get Darby and Lance versus Ethan and Scorpio at Double or Nothing. Or that might actually be a Dynamite match. But I think we're going to get that soon. Yeah. Now, the match that we were all waiting for, the match that was the whole name of the show. The match beyond, basically. Exactly. Blood and Guts, the Inner Circle versus the Pinnacle. With all the hype in the world surrounding this match, two of AEW's biggest factions that they have on their roster going at it in an incredible match and basically war games. Holy shit. The tone itself was set off, I feel like, the moment these guys came out. The Pinnacle in all white gear... The inner circle in all black penitentiary outfits was so, fucking dope. Oh, a note a thing I noticed later, they all had the penitentiary that was closest to the where they were from. Like, I know. Like uh Jake Hager, Oklahoma boy, it said El El Reno uh County Jail. <laughs> I think that's what it said. And then, nice attention to detail. Yes, uh, and Santana Ortiz came out in their dead presidents make a uh, dead presidents paint, and they both said Rikers Island on there because they're both from New York. Uh, Sammy Guevara uh, somewhere in Texas, I had no clue. And then you know Chris Jericho. It was just, it was just one of those things that will pop a wrestling geek like we are. You know, it, it, like, uh, like anybody. That tuned on there that is not like a geek. They had no idea what it meant, and it meant nothing to them. But to us wrestling geeks, it was the perfect touch. It really was. It helped really sell the match, especially considering how fucking bloody this match was. So I'm I'm almost certain that every single member of the inner of uh either maybe not the inner circle, but every single member of the pinnacle at least got busted open this night. Okay. Like every single one of them, I think. So it was uh, on the pinnacle side, Cash, Dax, and MJF. Uh, both Wardlow and Sean Spears didn't bleed. Oh, yeah, that's right. Wardlow didn't. Yeah. That's yeah. True. Those those two didn't bleed. On the, uh, on, on the inner circle side, it was Sammy didn't bleed and Hager didn't bleed. And then the other three did. So I know seven. he had, to, I had the the picture he posted on today though, dude. He got cut though, pretty oh, good. Uh, yeah, cut on the back. But I was just saying, like the head bleed during the match. Sure, yeah, yeah, and it was no crimson mask. So much happened in this match. It's like uh, yeah. I don't think I like I I think we could probably do a whole show if we wanted, to, but so much happened, you know, dude. The fucking the fucking spot where Sean Spears and Sammy Guevara are on each of the top ropes in the middle of both rings. And then I believe Ortiz goes and nails Sean Spears in the back. Sean gets on the other rope and then they do a Spanish fly off of that dude. Holy fucking shit. That spot was so dope. Yeah. I am a person that's against pirating all the time, but TNT doesn't offer this option. So I'm going to say, find you a stream of this commercial free. It yeah. adds so much to the match. 
the one thing, the only real issue I had was just the amount of commercial breaks that they had to have for the match. And I understood it. It was it, it, it was they, put on TV. It was put on TNT. They did picture in picture pretty much every single time. Although I will say in the final spots, moments of the match or whatnot, uh, like the, the second to last or the last uh, commercial break, my TV uh, went to full on commercials for like just like charter and shit like that. Like, yeah, like TV. everyone's yeah. did yeah, every, so every, yeah. everyone's did that. So I was like, "Fucking get me out of this shit! Put the match back on." It was a great match, and even like me. Okay, so they went picture in picture, and you know I'm sitting in my room, and picture in picture is technically on the right side of my screen, and I watch it from the left, so I can barely see what's going on. <laughs> so it's basically a commercial for me. And then I'm like, "Okay, now let's check back in when it gets into full screen." It really does take you out of it. So about 2 o'clock in the morning, I went to my favorite site, which I will not say on here, uh, and uh, I got the copy of it without commercials, and I was like, okay, this is a much better experience. And Please send that over to me when the show's off. <laughs> okay. I was like, this is just a much better, like, a one long piece of art instead of broken up. And I understand I, I, I understand the whole TV thing. I do. I am not blaming them. But just no matter what, it's going to take a little bit from it. Uh, when I went to the Winter is Coming show with Kenny and Moxley, and I was like, man, that match was one of the best matches I've seen live in my life. And everybody's like, oh. And it was because they saw it with commercials, and I saw it as one big piece of art. So I completely understand how that can change your, you know, your match-watching experience. But, man, this match was killer. Yes, and... This match was very much set up to really solidify not only the pinnacle, but MJF is probably your next top heel. Your next top heel. And, and, and his rivalry is going to be with Sammy because all kind of the cool face spots kind of went to Sammy. 100%. They set up Sammy, too, to be like the next big guy in terms of babyface. And I'm all for that. Sammy did so well. I know there was a couple spots that he slipped up on, but dude... He like literally before that botch that happened that people noticed where he kind of slipped off the top rope. He did that Spanish fly off of the ropes with Sean Spears. So I don't even want to fucking hear it. Like, yes, it was a rough botch. But before that, he did one of the coolest spots I'd seen in a while. So I don't even want to hear it. But regardless of the entire match, which was unbelievably entertaining, the finish has people split. And we have to talk about it because it's been talked about online all the time. The finish comes when MGF gets out of the ring, uh, gets out of the cages, and is able to break out of there. I, I don't remember. Like, let me remember exactly how he got out again. So when he it got, happened. It happened in one of the picture and picture commercials. That's, that's why right. It's it not did. Clear to you. Tully beats up Bryce. Yeah, Tully beat someone up and stole the key. Yeah, he beat up Rensburg and took the keys. And then let MJF out. Again, I wouldn't have known that. I didn't even know that happened. Because it was on the other side of the screen, all I saw was MJF out of the ring when (laughs) when he came back. And then Jericho is climbing up too. Yeah, until I went back and watched it, I had no idea how they got from A to B. And I can imagine a lot of people watching at home probably had the same problem. Yeah, I remember seeing Tol- I did remember seeing Tully beat up Rensburg though and taking the keys and letting MJF out. I just forgot for a second, but it wasn't picture in picture, so you can't blame me. So MJF gets out of the cage, sp- climbs straight up to the top of the cage to get away from the inner circle. Jericho 
follows out and also beats up Tully Blanchard before he climbs up. He chases Jer- uh, uh, MJF up there and puts him in the walls while he's got him up there. And MJF proceeds to hit him in the nuts, then puts him in the salt of the earth, and then decides, you know what? Nah, I'm going to throw this motherfucker off the cage. And he screams at all the Inner Circle members, if you don't surrender, if you don't forfeit, I will throw him off. And Sammy, I believe, was the first person to outright say, like, we're done. We surrender. We surrender. Don't do it. So the Pinnacle win the match. And MJF, because he's a dick, throws him off anyway. And the thing that people are upset about the spot is that it was very clearly cushioned. It was a very clearly safe fall, like the little like piece of like steel, whatever, or cardboard that was on top of it very quickly broke to show that it was a big cushioned fall. And honestly, the fact that fans are being like, ah, like turned off by the fall, I kind of want to know what's wrong with their heads because we will remind you yet again. Chris Jericho is fucking 50 years old. That kind of fall, dude, you really want him to take that kind of fall. Like, I will say personally, I love wrestling. I do not want to see my wrestlers get hurt in such a huge fall. Like, I love Mick Foley. And I know how famous that spot is at at, uh, King of the Ring 97. That fucking bump not even the bump off of the the cell onto the table, but the bump where he goes through the cell, that still makes my stomach churn because I know how bad that spot was for him. I won't even watch it. It's fucking hard. No, you know what? Honestly, that that necessarily may not – that might be hard for me to watch. The I Quit match with him and The Rock. Dude, that shit fucking – like it hurts for me to watch. It hurts. And like – I don't like seeing wrestlers get hurt to such a degree. Extreme wrestling is a thing that exists, and it does have its place in wrestling. But at the same time, though, the health and safety for wrestlers is still one of the biggest concerns, especially on a television product like this. And for a show that isn't purely focused on extreme wrestling, like people like John Moxley and Nick fucking Cage, they know what they're doing, and they are 100% aware of these types of spots, and they are okay with it. Jericho is in a position where if he took a spot like that, it could genuinely fuck him up and end his career. And all those spots, too, could end end careers for people like John Moxley and Nick Cage. Regardless, they accept those risks when they do those spots. But it's hard to watch, and I care about the safety of these wrestlers. So for people that were, like disappointed that the that he didn't fucking fall through the floor or something like that dude like i don't know what to tell you man like this like the moment itself like when mjf is staring down at jericho and says thank you as he's standing at the top of aew has the top spot that he took from jericho throwing him down that moment alone is great i didn't need jericho to die or just get fucked up in such a degree that it like messes him up to the point where he might not wrestle again. Sure, I understand that if they would have shown it like from a farther away spot, like a farther away camera shot, that it would have gotten the point across a lot more and probably gotten the spot over regardless. But I still thought the fall was crazy. And fans that wanted like a legit table spot or something along the lines of what Mick Foley took, dude, like we can't be doing that. 
We can't be doing that, especially to someone like Jericho, who, like I said, he's 50 fucking years old. So I got a few things to say about this. Second, uh, first of all, Devil's Advocate, they didn't have to do the spot. There's, they uh, there, there are a lot of different ways to basically make MJF look like a devil than what they did. I get it. They didn't have to do the spot. Second of all, camera angle was off. It just, it looked like, it, 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 to a lot of people, it looked like he fell off on a pillow. All right. One thing I heard that I saw is insult your intelligence. People like to, likes to use that term. Yes. First of all, you're not as smart as you think you are. Second of all, I want to throw out there. Uh, second of all, I want to throw out there the fact is I know what I'm watching. I know I'm watching a fake fight. Again, I know this is a TV show. I know that. So when I see stuff and it's like, oh, that wouldn't really hurt or blah, blah, blah. I know my mindset should be in a kayfabe mindset where I have my suspension of disbelief. Again, if you can believe an Irish whip, you can believe Jericho got hurt on this fall. Because... Last time I checked, I'm a big dude, Austin. But if I throw you across the room, are you going to come back to me? No. No, you're going to keep running because a big guy just threw you across the room. You don't want to fight him. That's pretty much how Irish whips, they make no sense. (laughs) So, again, if you can accept one, you can accept the other. Second of all, I mean, I got a lot of them all. Mick Foley thing, the second the second fall was an accident. That's what everybody... It wasn't supposed to go through. Do. Yes. This was not supposed to happen. That was literally a botch. And it was almost the worst botch in wrestling history because he lands a little differently. He dies. Like, and also there's a steel chair that bounces into his mouth. So, uh, then let's point out at one pay-per-view where Matt Hardy... Falls on his head and they continue to match and everybody about loses their freaking mind. And they're like, oh, I'm not watching AEW no more. They don't care about the wrestlers. So, yes, maybe Tony Khan is overly cautious when it comes to his wrestlers. I'd personally rather him err on the side of caution (laughs) than on the side of making something look cool. You know? It's just where I am. And it's just like, I am glad Chris Jericho's okay. I thought the match was dope. If you thought that one thing is the reason that happened after the match, the match was over when that happened. That one thing that happened after the match ruined the whole thing for you. I am sorry. You know? I feel like we're talking about, it's like we're talking about the goddamn exploding barbed wire deathmatch again, because that one spot that happened after the match. Yes, the match was over. <laughs> you got War Games. It was a great War Games, if I have to say so myself. It had a very creative ending. Hey, to save your friend, you must surrender. Then the ultimate dick hell threw the guy off anyway. It's amazing. Oh, my God. Sammy, this is Sammy Guevara, basically, if you compare this to an action movie, it's when a guy has the other guy's partner. Like, the bad guy has the other guy's partner. It's Green Goblin and, holding up Mary Jane. Yes. And it's like, and you, you watch them die right in front of you. That added so much heat to the Sammy and MJ feud that's going to happen. 
so much heat. And it's just like, I get it. Did it look super painful? No, it didn't. It didn't. But does it have to? You know, I don't know. I'm not going to complain that you're complaining because you do have the right to voice your displeasure in something. But I truly believe, I truly believe that this is one of those cases where you could let it go. Well, I know I love that. I've seen also the argument, too, of like Shane McMahon is 51 and he still took a freaking crazy bump. And it's like, dude. It's like I don't know what to tell you. I w- like that bump scary as hell too. But like, I mean, like I I I would prefer if Shane McMahon didn't throw himself off self off a of fucking tall ass shit anymore. Like yeah. I would prefer if he wouldn't do that. But because he's he, never been a wrestler. What he lands to in is more cushioned than what Jericho landed in last night. The only difference is is they do a better job of painting everything black, where you can't tell. What parts a cushion and yes. what parts the uh and what parts you know the part uh, you know like what he's landing on? They'll have a black table and they'll have like a hundred black mats and it'll look like oh my god he just died but yeah he fell on like a hundred cushions. I'm not saying it doesn't hurt because I, I I was uh, making this point last night when I was young we used to have the the uh, mattresses in the backyard and we used to do play wrestling right. And we would jump off the fence, and the fence was like, what, five, six feet high? And you, you say I jumped a foot higher than the fence, that's being really nice. But I'm seven feet in the air, and then I would land on that mattress. You know what? The shit hurt. So you take yourself up 15 to 20 feet. It might not injure you, but, you know, it, it, it did some damage. So I just, I don't like I said, it's just wrestling is make-believe. So you're either going to choose to make believe with us or you might as well not watch the show. If I'm watching a shitty horror movie and I'm angry that the special effects don't look good, but I know it's like a a D-list horror movie, I'm not going to be mad at it. It's like I know what wrestling is. I know what it's presenting itself as. And I know that they're not going to put the wrestlers in a position where they're literally going to get hurt. And like Floyd said, they did that once at, at one point with Matt Hardy taking that oh, horrifying bump in that Sammy Guevara match. And they got shit on for it. They got ripped apart. No, like, so, like they ten, like, are horrible people for doing it. Yeah, and Tony Khan, I think, is now like, you know what? Just to save any caution on it, we're just going to make sure any high crazy spot that we do is as safe as it can possibly be. And people are complaining because it looked fake. It's like... Guys, come on. Yeah, they don't care about their wrestlers because of that. And yeah. Yeah, no. It's just, it just you can't have it both ways. Exactly. So, regardless of it though, dude, the the blood and guts match, it lived up to the hype in my eyes. Uh, dude, I really enjoyed I, I, it. I think Sean Spears proved that he deserves a spot. He does, dude. He's so fucking good. Yeah, and it was just like I know people don't like him in the pinnacle, but watch how he performed in those matches. That specialty chair that was clearly, that was great. Well, clearly gimmicked. It was it, it was clearly gimmicked, but it was amazing. You know, that's what we wanted. He he basically did the headshots that they did with Cody the right way without busting somebody open. Exactly. <laughs> so no, it was it was great. Uh, the springboard cutters from Sammy Guevara. 
uh, FTR the coast to coast. FTR literally bleeding buckets. I mean, they bled for you, and they were kind of awesome. And you know, Santana Ortiz when they jumped in and the fighting. I like. I really dude. Really was it Ortiz or was it Santana that literally fell in between the cage and the ring? I believe that was Ortiz. That dude. Yeah, and then they had Santana all five on one, and then Chris Jericho comes in, and then he reaches in that over suit and brings out my boy Floyd. He brings out Floyd to do some damage. That was cool because I was like, dude, how does he not have the bat? And then he did it, so it was like, oh my god, he does have the bat. That was cool. MJF, heel extraordinaire, but that dude can work. It's like one hundred percent. People compare him to the Miz. Which, again, I want to be clear. I like The Miz. But if you look at the work rate and what they do in the ring, you would stop actually comparing the two. MJF takes a lot more risks with his work than The the Miz does. And again, that's not even a dig at The Miz. The Miz has been able to use character work to elevate himself and keep himself relevant and not have to worry about too much of in-ring stuff, which and, is honestly and, really talented and, of and him. But MJF him, takes way more risks. And as he told Daniel Bryan on Talking Smack, he's never off for injury. He never misses for injury. You know, he's always, you know, when he's not doing this, and when he leaves, it's because of TV or movies, because his style is safe. But I'm just saying, don't compare these two people because they're both good heels, and they're both good on the mic. I think the Miz is excellent on the mic, but to me personally, MJF is godlike on the mic. He's he is the old school heel that we don't see anymore. Yeah, he is like I'm putting him in the classes with Roddy Piper and Ric Flair, and you know I you know one day if he wants to be Paul Heyman and Don Callis, he is a heel's heel. You know, he's not. And, you know, he's kind of pushed as being actually tough to beat. That's the thing. Absolutely. You know, they're two different type of heels because, you know, The Miz is more of the shitty, I'm not very good, but I'm going to do every underhanded trick to win. MJF is like, I'm good and I'm going to do every underhanded trick to win. So he's closer to me at this age. I'm just saying he's closer to Flair, like a mix of Flair and Roddy Piper than he is The Miz. Even though, I want to be clear, I actually love The Miz. I've owned six Miz t-shirts in my life. I am a big fan of the guy. So don't take this as hate on The Miz. Absolutely. It's just, there's just levels to this shit. And there is. To me, there is. MJF is on a different level than The Miz. Yes. I, th- I feel like, regardless of if you felt... That the final spot looked too fake, which I, I don't like. I, that alone just annoys me. Something in wrestling looked too fake. But if you didn't like the the, the final spot of the night, whatever, I, can, I guess I get that for you. I don't agree with it, but I get it. Um, you can't deny, though, that MJF is being set up as one of the next top heels of AEW. Uh, if not the top heel in AEW. And they're really doing a lot to elevate Sammy Guevara. They're every single member of of each team looked great this night and this match was so fucking bloody and badass and such a lot of fun worth the year-long wait it took for us to get it i'm all for blood and guts and dude like it's like these two factions are fucking incredible and again 
the right team won, honestly, and the inner circle still looks unbelievably strong. I said it, the Pinnacle needed this win because they were just established. They can't lose right now. Now that they're established and they will, you know, run through the roster, in a few months they can take an L. But they have to look dominant just like the inner circle did. And so, yeah, that's where I'm at with it. The right team won, and now the Pinnacle has to move forward. I mean, MJF can kind of, him and Sammy still got some business to handle. Maybe we get an FTR versus Proud and Powerful. And, of course, we got to get Wardlow versus uh, Hager eventually again. But right now, it's just like they won. That that was good for now. Absolutely. That, though, was blood and guts. Such a wild show. And while it wasn't a one-match show and everything before it, I think, was good. Maybe some things were like just what they were advertised as being. This was in everyone's mind going into it. It was a one-match show, but we got a lot of cool stuff beforehand regardless. And even though the commercial breaks do take out of it, the match itself was still so fucking good, that Blood and Guts match. But we can get into our preview for next week's Dynamite. First off, we got Miro facing off against Darby Allen for the TNT Championship. He made his challenge on Blood and Guts. SCU faces off against the Young Bucks for the AEW Tag Team titles as they won in the Eliminator Tag Team match on Blood and Guts. Orange Cassidy versus Pac, which got announced on this show. It will be an Eliminator match to determine the number one contender for the AEW World Title, who will face off against Kenny Omega at, at Double or Nothing. Tony Schiavone will have a sit-down interview with Jade Cargill. And then the big, big Forbidden Door match, I guess you could call it, or whatnot. The IWGP United States Championship will be defended in AEW on Dynamite. John Moxley versus Yuji Nagata for the IWGP United States Championship. Fucking so looking forward to that match. But that is your Dynamite preview. A lot to look forward to, Okay, so I got some predictions going down the list. Of course, Miro's going to beat Darby. I just think uh, putting the title on Miro works for right now. Uh, I think the SEU is going to beat the Young Bucks for the tag team titles. Oh! I think somehow Kingston uh, costs the Young Bucks and SEU wins. So they become the first ever two-time. I, uh, AEW tag team Only champions. Frankie would be a two tag time tag. Team. That is true. That is true. Yes, because <laughs> yes. Scorpio Hub. Yeah, no. but it's still SEU technically. I, the reason being, I want. To, I don't think the Young Bucks need the scalp. Yeah. SEU's career is a scalp on somebody's resume. I don't think the Young Bucks need it. Now, could Daniels actually want his last match to be against the the Young Bucks? Yes. And that's how they could go out and whatever. I, I could see that happening. But I think the thing that makes more sense is SEU beat the Young Bucks. The Young Bucks versus Kingston and Mox ends up being a non-title match at, uh, uh, at, at, at double or nothing because it doesn't need it. And then like, FCU goes against FTR and they give FTR Ooh. the scalp. Because you're trying to push the pinnacle as the thing. So the pinnacle retires SCU. They need that scalp more than the Young Bucks do. All right. Now, that was just a thought. Might be wrong. I think Orange Cassidy's going to be Pac um, or unfortunate Pac, unfortunately. Uh, I do think we might get some interference because they have been building to 
Orange Cast, uh, you know, best friends click against, you know, uh, Death Triangle click. So that might happen that way. Uh, Shivani and Jake Cargill. I have guessed that the Trinidad is going to be Jake Cargill's manager. Everyone knows that. Moxley and Nuji Nagata. Moxley's not going to lose on AEW TV. It's just not going to happen. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I. I can agree with everyone. I I will differ and say the Young Bucks uh, just to differ on a one opinion at least, but everything else I agree on, honestly. Yeah, so I, I'm looking forward to next week. I honestly think for a match-by-match card, it's actually a better show than this week's. Yeah, and again, like really in our, in our, in our minds and in our hearts, Blood and Guts was a one-match show, I feel like, just because I think if it was a one-match show, you probably could have avoided commercial breaks a little bit more, but... You know, it's whatever. It was still a really strong show, even it, with everything else that was on the show. But yeah, m- match-wise, though, just from top to bottom, this looks really strong, and I'm really excited for it. And I think we only got one other news headline that we can talk about, and it kind of leads into some people that had predictions about what was supposed to happen on Blood and Guts. Didn't end up happening, but we do know at least it's been confirmed from multiple sources, and Floyd can tell us what that headline is. Yes, Dave Melter, Voices of Wrestling, everybody has reported that last Friday night on SmackDown, after losing the, um, uh, uh, basically, if he never gets a title shot again, match to Roman Reigns, Daniel Bryan's contract expired at midnight as soon as the match was over. So, and because how uh, WWE contracts work, if you're released, there's a 90-day clause. Or, yeah, if you're asked out or they release you, there's a 90-day sit-out. But if your contract expires, there is no non-compete clause. So, as of right now, Daniel Bryan can show up, or Bryan Danielson can show up wherever, whenever he wants after signing a contract. So, of course, as soon as anybody becomes a free agent... AEW speculation happens. You know, again, there's literally two hours of TV right now. That's it. That's all they have. And they just brought in Christian. And they just Now, do I think Daniel Bryan or Bryan Danielson is one of the best wrestlers in the world? Yes. But it's just like, can you, you can't just sign everybody, right? But, yeah, there's a worry of possibly like making your roster too stacked to the point where like it yeah. makes it harder to get everybody TV time. But if you want to give me Kenny Omega versus Brian Danielson at All Out, take all my money. Yes, 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 yes. Take all my money. Take my friend's money. Take money I haven't even earned yet. I I, I would literally go into massive amounts of debt to be at that match. Oh, I w- I will say, man, it's like I I I didn't know exactly what the contract situation was with Daniel, and I was still questionable about it of like whether or not people were getting worked or whatnot. I th- for the longest time, what I was hearing was that his contract expired in September, actually. But either way, if it, if if they're saying it's fully, it, he's a free agent now. Now he's just in Schroding, He's in Schrodinger's wrestling box. We don't know where he's going to show up. We don't know what he's going to do. And I said this with Samoa Joe, and I truly, I think this with Daniel Bryan too, and I think they could both do it. I prefer, I would honestly prefer them to do the tour around the world. Just imagine Bryan Danielson and Samoa Joe in the G1 this year. Oh, my fucking God. Oh, my God. 
like one in the A block, one in the B block. You tune in every night for that. I dude, it's it, that sells it alone. Yeah, that sells it alone. And there you go. And it's just like I would prefer them travel around the world. Daniel Bryan and ROH in Mexico, everywhere, and they just make the independent scene kick ass. Then I would actually prefer them sign with AEW, even though. But because the reason being is AEW's doing fine. They are building or they have built Darby Allen. They are building Orange Cassidy. They are relaunching Miro. MJF is as a guy. Sammy Guevara is a guy. Christian Cage. Christian Cage. But I was just saying, I was talking about the guys that they have built. Oh, okay, okay, okay. And they have made draws on their own that you really don't need to bring these other people in. Now, is Daniel LeBron Danielson a different level of wrestler? Yes, and that's why I said, let him go do his thing. Brian Danielson, Kenny Omega challenges Brian Danielson, just says, you know what? I really want to see who's the best in the world. I challenge you, Brian Danielson, at All Out. And because it's a champion challenger person, yeah, he gets to jump the list. Boom, let's do that match. Yeah, but, honestly. But he doesn't have to sign with AEW and be full-time on the roster. He really he can, doesn't. He can float, go enjoy everywhere, be in Bola. You know, show up at a fucking bar in Texas one day. I don't know. Just have fun. And show up at Joey Janela's spring break. Yeah, and, and, you know, have fun. Create all these memories for wrestlers and get paid while you're doing it. Yeah. Because who wouldn't pay top dollar for Brian Danielson at that point? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Him or Joe. The Brian Danielson Dream Match Tour. If I was Brian Danielson, I would have called it that. I would do the Cody thing and put out a list of everybody I want to wrestle and just be like, you companies call me. We'll, we'll discuss the number. Let's go. Yeah. I think where and like, that's the thing is like, I don't even care where Brian Danielson, Samoa Joe, those guys, I don't care where they go. They're at such a level in their careers where I'd be happy seeing them anywhere. I really would. It's just, if they, it, like seeing them tour around the world in all different promotions and all different indies and all different companies, occasionally uh, having like challenge matches in AEW and stuff like that, they don't even need to sign. It's like I'm good, whatever with what they do. I will be looking with very high interest in seeing the next moves for Brian Danielson, and that goes the same thing with Samoa Joe. And that goes the same thing with the other releases with WWE. And I, I very much look forward to seeing what these people do because, I'll, like, they're all such. There's so much talent in that group of people, dude. So much talent. But with that final headline out of the way, I think that will wrap it up on this episode of All Things Elite. Thank you guys so much for tuning in and listening every single week. We really, really appreciate it. If you guys enjoy the show, be sure to leave a rating and a review. Give us a share, whether you listen to us on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, any other platforms. Download the show as well. You can also share us around with whoever you wish. Leave a donation through Red Circle. Support us on Twitter at ATElitePod. We are also at at Social Suplex that make this show possible. Those guys are what make this podcast run i am at szumer4 on twitter floyd is at floyd johnson jr on at twitter and i will be gone this weekend in vegas having a lot of fun with my family i will be watching the jabberwockies perform i've never seen them live i love that dance crew i'm so 
psyched for that. I will also be going to Omega Mart, which should be fucking cool. Gambling, as always, uh, very responsibly. I cannot say much about my other family members. We will see how it goes. But regardless, I will be in Vegas having a lot of fun. And for this now, I will let Floyd take us home on this week of All Things Elite. Yes, uh, for you, sir, I will say this from the great Wesley Snipes movie, Passenger 57, always bet on black. Um, (laughs) I want to leave you with that. And for everyone else, dude, uh, it's just we're getting closer. We're inching closer. We're about to get a full capacity show. Hey, everybody just, you know, I, I said, used to say this in regards to watching AEW over NXT, but stay vigilant, stay, uh, you know, stay on top of your health, wear a mask, do all those things. I know I say that like every week, but I, I truly think it's important that we watch out for each other. And it, and for me, it's completely selfish reason. I just want to get back to the normal. I am ready to raw dog air. I am ready to get some of that air with no mask on. And the only way to do that is to stop infecting people. So stop carrying it and passing it along. Uh, Right now, uh, a lot of places you can just walk up and get your vaccine. I'm at, uh, I got a Costco in Oklahoma. You can literally just walk in without a Costco card and say, hey, I want to get vaccinated. And they go shoot you up with the shit and set you up for two weeks or a month from now, depending on which one you get. So do that shit. Because guess what? I want to see you at a wrestling show. And I want to see you at a StarCast. And I want to give it to you. I want to give you some dap. Maybe a hug. Put my arm around you. You know, breathe in each other's faces like we hate. But we're going to do that anyway. Because, you know, because there's not a disease out there trying to kill us all the time. So let's get that done. But I will leave you with this. As always, whether it's home, work, or school, always do your best to be elite.